0: Welcome to the Mark Latham's Outsiders Preview Show, Uh, we'll be Facebook live streaming 8 to 9pm Eastern Standard Time here on this Wednesday night and wow, there's so much to talk about, I mean you've got a full week of news. And uh, Tim
1: Fomassan from the Human Rights Commission is saying more Asians need to become lawyers. Do you think it's right that he's uh, trying to force Asian people to become lawyers or people should have freedom of choice about their
2: job?
0: Uh, Hello and welcome to the second episode of Punta Vista Socialist Club Uh, Hopefully this time I will sound less like I am recording from the bottom of an abandoned sardine factory Uh, With me I have Lucy Valentine
3: Hello uh,
0: Who is not feeling very well
3: I'm not, so if I say anything really racist, it's the fever
0: (laughs) It's the fever fever. Racism fever Racism fever Everyone's got it (laughs) Yep uh joining us also is Ben McLean. Hello. Uh Ben does not currently have racist brain fever, so any wildly racist comments, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, okay. he is completely one hundred percent responsible for. And they're also
4: representative of of the views of my employers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh not mine. Please don't please don't hold me to that one. Um so look, I feel like we got off to an alright start last week, um, so this week we're going we're gonna to have a little week in review of some of the more colourful things that have happened on the uh, Aussie, Aussie political scene. Uh, we've also got an interview coming up with a friend of the show, Goran, uh, at Joke Lover. Uh, he's going to be talking to us about, about a subject that I'm not sure that that many Australian people know that much about, which is tankies. Um, started getting interested in tankies a little while ago mainly asking myself the question uh what what am a tanky <laughs> very confused by by what it is that they're doing and why and mm-hmm. i started to ask some of my friends who seem to know a lot more than me about that so we're gonna have him on there to talk about it uh and then we're gonna dip back into the mailbag because uh, last week that seemed to provide a couple of really really deep Deep dives into important mm. questions that people wanted answered,
4: namely, eating eating dick. The ethics Dick's of eating. Yeah. Yeah. dick eating. Yeah, dick eating.
0: Yeah, the ethics, the ethics and morals, and and the practicalities really of uh, inviting a German computer technician to your house to try to get him to bite off your dick, and then when <laughs> it doesn't really work, you got to cut it off, then you burn it, and you ruin it. It's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we came out on the side of of having your dick eaten in the end. Yes. Um, you know, it's, as Lucy said, it's the libertarian view. Mm. And I, I expect, you know, i take the David Lane home line, but it's it's your penis. <laughs> and the government can't tell you who can and can't cut it off. And it not, it like Let's not
3: get back, back into this. <laughs>
0: no. You know no, what? Let's dedicate another well, half hour to it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we, we were asked to, to stop, frankly. Um,
3: <laughs> yes, we were.
0: Just... Please don't have the whole next show be about the dick stuff. Fine. Um, so, stuff that we had that happened. Week in Review. I feel like we should put in a little Week in Review mm. theme song. You know, a little... <laughs> week in Review. That's the sale of the Century theme music. I'm sorry. Okay.
4: I thought that was... That sounded like some, like... Black exploitation theme song music. I was really enjoying that. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, we're talking. Yep. Yeah. All right. So this week, um, obviously, there was the horrible, horrible attack in Manchester at the Ariana Grande concert, mm-hmm. um, which was very shitty and done by very shitty people. I'm pretty sure we can all agree. Mm, I um, agree. Bad. Yeah. I also yeah, agree. Okay. I'm glad that your fevered brain, Lucy, even your fevered so brain, far. can recognize. So
3: far, so <laughs> far. yep.
0: yep. Um, so you know, there was there was a lot of media about that, and uh, I'm pretty sure the hottest take was published by um, Roger Franklin. Is it?
4: I, I believe that is his name. Yes. Mm.
0: Yes. Uh, online editor of the Quadrant, Quadrant, the journal for conservative uh, weirdos. Mm. Mm. and he basically wrote a piece that said um i'm paraphrasing but he said what a shame it is that that bomb went off in manchester um if only it had been detonated in ultimo in sydney i I have the
4: exact quote here if you'd like that oh thank you uh Yeah. yeah hit me with that life isn't fair and death less so had there been a shred of justice that blast would have detonated in an ultimo tv studio Unlike oh those young girls mm. in Manchester, their lives snuffed out before they could begin. None of the panel's likely casualties would have represented the slightest reduction in humanity's intelligence, decency, empathy, or honesty.
2: Ooh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, like, mm.
4: mm. Mamma Mia. That's a hot tamale.
3: It's a hot it's a tamale.
0: Spicy meatball. Mm. It's a spicy meatball. It's so bad. And um, and to me, what really the money shot on that one isn't that he says. You know he doesn 't just say i would I would rather that these people be killed." he says, "If only they had have been killed mm. if there were any justice in the world they they would have killed a bunch of ABC journalists.
4: If there was some moral momentum to the universe, a bunch of ABC yeah. journalists and audience goers <laughs> would have died yes, would have been killed by a, a nail bomb mm. um, but he but
0: I like that he sort of he puts the sting on it right at the end of um, and here's what these people's collective contribution to the world is, and it's absolutely nothing, and we would all be fine. Mm. So people were understandably miffed at them publishing this. Um, People were pretty horrified. Franklin seemed to think it was still cool for quite a while afterwards, um, right up until the point that the ABC's managing director, Michelle Guthrie, wrote a letter to them saying... What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you publicly wishing death upon our our journalist? It was then apologised for, um, not by Franklin himself, I might note. I'm still not sure whether he's actually apologised for it or anything like that.
4: No, it doesn't seem like he has. Um, Keith Windshuttle, uh, I believe, (laughs) uh, is his name, is the print editor for Quadrant. He Mm apologised on his behalf, but... Uh, my favourite thing about this is, before he issued the apology, before the ABC letter was written, Fairfax tried to reach him for comment, and his only response was, You're talking bullshit, don't call back. Hmm. Wow. Mm. Uh, but he did, he very much changed his tune. Uh, I think it was a day or so later was when he, he issued his official apology. His official
0: oopsie-daisy.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: they had Nick Cater as well, from the Men's Youth Institute, get on the drum, and... Um... Profusely uh, apologize because I think he's involved in the magazine as well, and he he described it as being embarrassing and horrifying, and that's it's not the kind of thing anybody should have written, which you know is is kind of the right it's the right take in the first place. But. I feel
3: like you probably shouldn't say that a bunch of people should be murdered by terrorists at all ever. Yeah, it's well, bad. You know, there's
4: a time and <laughs> <in> a <the> place.
0: <laughs> well, if you if you want to be like the your, your preeminent um anti-terrorist publication then kind of you know hoping to co-opt the the terrorist cause for particular co-opting isis (laughs) yeah yeah maybe maybe if isis blew up the people that i was down on. yeah i could get behind them so
4: hard on isis (laughs) yeah
3: give isis a break
4: uh they they did update the article they did not delete it um they they updated yeah, the yeah they, they updated it to make it like rhetorical. Yeah, so <laughs> instead of making it like a wish, they just made it like a fun hypothetical. So the replacement mm. sentence was what if that blast had detonated in an Ultimo T V studio? And then with the same postscript being like, Well, if they died, we wouldn't <laughs> lose anything.
0: Good. They got all Ivan Drago, if they die, they die. No, it's it's
4: <laughs> Wow, that was such a
0: beautiful quote. Well, there's always time for a I wanted to say Rocky 2, but it's not Rocky 2. Is it
4: Rocky 3 or 4? It's 4, isn't it?
0: No, no. I want to say it's 4. Mm. Yeah, we don't want to get bogged down in Rocky movies. There's a lot of Rocky movies. There's
3: a lot of Rocky to talk about.
4: It is Rocky 4. It is indeed Rocky 4. Oh, there you go.
0: Well, the, the Soviets being back in the news like they are, it's very topical. Oh, yeah, those Russians. Mm. So there was, um, there was a bit of different conservative response to the Quadrant piece and the reacting outrage. And it was good to see old old fan favorites uh, like friend of the show, Chris Kenny, you know, take their typical reactions, which was, if the left wing are angry about this, it just can't be that bad. Which is a really, you know, it's, it's the mature... Very intelligent
3: approach. approach, I agree.
0: Mm, mm, of if the other team is pissed about this, then I'm probably on board with it. I don't want to think too hard about what it is or what he was saying. <laughs> He he commented on it with something uh, very akin to, you know, oh, well, try reading the article.
4: Yes, that was oh. his response. Yeah. Like, if you have a look at his replies for, like, a three-hour window, he's just like, oh, well, did you read the entire thing? So, like, to his credit, he did say that paragraph was bad, uh, okay. but he also did spend a lot of time just being like, oh, well, come on. You know, we don't need to be overly sensitive about this. I think if you take it in context, mm. it's fine. Mm. But this is funny in contrast to what he has been doing for over a month now with ABC host and writer, I think, Yasmin Abdelmajid, who on Anzac Day did a seven-word Facebook post that was like, lest we forget, I think it was like Palestine and three other places, right? She listed three other oh, places. Like Nauru? Yeah, she was just listing things where atrocities are happening and saying, oh, oh, oh no, we should probably not do that as well. And now every mm. single conservative in Australia has spent over a month since having, like, a conniption about it, trying to get her fired, trying to, like, have the ABC shut down because she made a pretty, like, I would say innocuous statement. Pretty innocuous, yep. It, it was even quite vague. Like, uh, it, it didn't even really make a coherent point and they're nice. still losing their shit over it and then suddenly they're like oh well if you can't say you can bomb a place I think you know <laughs> free speech freedom
3: of speech mm. Mm,
4: I, f- I feel like it's worth
0: noting as well that she um, she made that post within several minutes had deleted the post uh, put up something else saying hey look wow. a couple of people have told me that they find that pretty offensive and I'm sorry if I cause people offence so let's, let's leave it at that. Um, apparently, we are absolutely not able to leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> we've been thoroughly, on un- thousands of words later, oh, we, are, we are not leaving it at that. So, you know, and you kind of compare and contrast the, the freak out over that, which, as Ben said, it's been going for weeks and weeks now, thousands of words, like multiple stories a day in The
4: Australian. Oh, multiple this, front page uh, stories as well. Like they had one mm. that was just calling her tacky for doing a glasses ad, like <laughs> yeah. three weeks after it had happened. They're just like, "Oh, she's trying to sell Specsavers glasses <laughs> or something like." Mm. Just gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Finally
0: caught someone doing a business. Um, <laughs> so you know you compare that with uh, the the really actively wishing that a terrorist attack had have still happened, but killed your ideological <laughs> foes instead, uh, refusing to acknowledge that this is a bad thing to say for several days until, you know, finally getting on board and and going, well, let's tweak the wording and keep the peace up. So, you know, it's a bit, a bit of a contrast, a bit of a contrast in reactions.
4: <laughs> I did have a, a highlight from... Uh his article about it uh chris kenny's column about it where you know he's saying blah 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 the paragraph is bad he crossed the line in public should never be crossed and can never be condoned franklin dared to wish violence upon the abc apparently to teach them a lesson and in doing so he not only destroyed his own argument but diminished public debate in this nation blah 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 blah. blah. and then he kind of adds his caveat at the bottom where he's like yes the abc once celebrated a shoe being thrown at a prime minister Yes, it has deliberately cultivated known extremist sympathisers to make political points on live television, and yes, it consistently acts against the national interest on these issues, but to highlight these points, you have to take the higher moral ground, not to stoop to even more egregious levels. Uh, But, like, his equivalent action... Like, he's... Because their whole bullshit narrative is that, like, blah, 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 ABC is helping ISIS and Islamist sympathisers, whatever, but his first point is... Yes, the ABC once celebrated a shoe being thrown at a Prime Minister.
0: Well, if there's one thing if there's one thing we can all agree is exactly the same as the other. There's um
3: Oh yeah, ISIS and yep. yeah. Yeah,
0: there's letting off a bomb in a concert and killing a, a lot of people, and there's also taking off your shoe and casting it at somebody. Do you know what
4: he's referring
0: to?
3: I actually don't.
0: I'm gonna guess it's the George Bush um Iraq War Well that's oh, what
3: yeah, I thought
4: maybe. as well. Except it's
0: specifically
4: at a Prime Minister. Like it's not, huh. not oh. a, a president. Prime Minister shoe throwing. That'll that'll get me the results I want. That's, List that's of shoe throwing incidents. <laughs> audible oh, Googling God. Oh, okay, it happened on Q and A. Uh no. Q and A PM John Howard shoe throwing incident brackets. Original. <laughs>
3: oh, I love it already. Oh. <laughs>
4: No, I, pre- I prefer the remix. <laughs>
0: um, well, look, you know, I'm just going to go out on a
4: limb and say, good on that person for having a crack.
3: Hold well on to him. Yeah. I'm
4: just trying to determine at the moment if they actually got uh, John Howard square in the face with a shoe or not, which would make me unbelievably happy. Mm. Oh, they I missed. Feel like that, oh. I feel like that image <laughs> would
0: have been very ingrained in all of our minds.
4: All right, look, to John Howard's credit, who we established as a, a favourite PM in the last episode, we Yep. Did. he does not move. He sits there wow. perfectly still, as two sho- shoes thrown at him, wow. one of them getting quite close to his head. Uh, that's a lot of composure and grace. But on well, you, let John. Let me say this. On you, John. That's pretty gangster. Like, it, it is.
0: <laughs> what was the last time someone hurled their shoes at your face and you didn't flinch?
4: I can't recall the last time someone hurled a shoe at my face. Mm, well, I flinch most of the times that it happens. <laughs> That's fair.
0: All right, so we'll move on from uh, quadrant. Horrible, horrible quadrant. Um, we wanted to do a quick recap of some of the fun that's been happening in the Senate this week. The old Senate
4: estimates. Oh,
3: it's been right. good. It's been fantastic.
4: Mm. My my understanding of estimates is I think it's after the budget, everyone mm-hmm. yells at each other.
3: Yeah. Yes. For yeah.
0: perceived grievances. You get into the um, parliamentary thunderdomes. <laughs> and just mm. get it on and it appears to go for a very long time uh, it's, like, it's like 10 days straight, it's like a 10 day marathon
4: yeah and they start in the morning and go until like close to midnight and I kept sort of checking into the feed while I was at work the other day and it's just people just being like, you're an arsehole you can't call them an arsehole, point of order well he's <laughs> not good
0: mm. withdrawn yeah. um, regretfully withdrawn uh, well, for our international listeners, for our huge, huge international audience, mm. um, the Senate Estimates Committees, as far as I understand them, which is probably not correctly, uh, <laughs> so like Penn said, it's after the budget, and you get a bunch of different committees, and they get to drag different senior public servants and people who are responsible for various government departments before these committees, and in the case of some of our show favorites, like One Nation's Pauline Hansen, you get to... Uh, finagle a deal with the government have yourself assigned to committees that touch on some kind of pet issue of yours like in Pauline Hanson's case the the creeping the creeping menace of uh, halal food yep. mm. halal certification and such uh, One Nation's Malcolm Roberts you can have yourself appointed to a committee and then you can get people from like CSIRO up and you can just try to tease out you know some questions like what what is
4: science <laughs> I think his long-term strategy there was that if he asked enough questions, one of them would accidentally slip up and admit that climate change is a hoax. Mm, Just catch one them off of them's guard. going to
0: freak out, be like, "When's this
4: guy going to give up?"
0: <laughs> forget it, forget it. Admit to the new world order thing. <laughs> so, there were a couple of a couple of pearls, a couple of pearls from this week, and um, I'm going to say right off the bat that my number one favorite of all of these things is Pauline Hanson doing her um doing her halal thing so she's what she's trying to sort of tease out here as far as i know is this kind of running anti-halal thing that it is an especially you know terrible way to to kill animals to butcher animals now never mind the fact that the people who seem really concerned about this when it kind of relates to muslims um also seem to not give the slightest fuck whatsoever about animal welfare or, like, slaughterhouses or anything like that at any other time?
4: Oh, no, absolutely
0: not. Doesn't, there doesn't really seem to be, like, a Venn diagram where there's a big overlap between, you know, like, Peter animal rights activists kind of people and also people who are insanely suspicious of every Muslim. So she's trying to, she's trying to sort of get this lady to admit that it's, that it's an extra horrible way to kill animals. And in the course of doing so, I feel like something, something is sort of revealed about Pauline Hansen's understanding of, of animals, of slaughter, of life itself, I would say. So let's just throw on the clip and see what Pauline has to say for herself.
3: I ha- it has been brought to my attention that under halal certification, these cattle are actually still li- alive when their throats are slit. So, so can you explain then in halal certification what happens with the cow? Right. Um, Barbara Barbara Cooper, uh, Assistant Secretary, Meat Exports Branch. All cattle halal slaughtered in Australia are stunned prior to slaughter. Well, uh, I have been advised that is not the case in in one of the slaughterhouses. The The cow is still alive. When it's thrown
0: asleep. So, uh, what Pauline's really trying to ask here is, are the cows alive before they die? <laughs> like, there's there's some other there's some other clips that they go a bit further into it, and she keep, she sort of keeps saying it's my understanding that the cow is alive when it is killed.
3: Well, you learn something new every day.
4: <laughs> mm. I actually refuse to. I won't learn yeah. <laughs> any more things than I already know. Like, a year ago, I was pretty much full up and I'm done.
0: Just turn that valve off. Yeah. No more,
4: no more knowledge <laughs> into this body. No thank you. So, like, that's...
0: To me, that is pretty wild. Um, and, you know, as we all love about Pauline, she's she's barely getting a sentence together there.
4: Oh, she... It, okay, so she's been in the media spotlight now for over 20 years, right? Yeah. She has to be on camera all the time. She has to speak in front of people all the time. She still every single time she talks to anyone sounds like she's like thirty seconds away from crying.
3: Oh, she always sounds really nervous.
4: Yeah. Like incredibly nervous. Get some oh, media shaky training. Voice. Just have a beer before you have to do this. Just settle <laughs> just your get nerves. Jeep fire, whatever whatever means you have to. But every single time she's just horrified. And any time anything happens that she doesn't anticipate She looks like she's about to die. Like, someone explaining to her that stunning and killing are different things, and she's just like, fuck, 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 I didn't plan for this at all. (laughs) I should have done more
0: than read those three racist tweets from
4: that guy. It's just, it's like you are saying, it's an absurd position for them to hold. Like, if you object to halal slaughter, you should probably object to all animal slaughter? Like, Probably. It just—it seems.
3: Seems like a logical position.
4: Yeah, it's. Well, the difference is not all that huge. Well, like you could at
0: least express some manner of interest in like uh, ethical farming or improving the condition in all slaughterhouses or anything like that. Yeah, it—it—it's the same line of thinking to me, where where people who um are are really wary wary of the halal menace. Um. They, they claim it's actually because it's a, it's a big ripoff. It's a big rip-off and there's certification on these things and part of that is being incorporated into the price so you are inadvertently paying for this halal certification. And I always stop and ask myself, um, it's weird because you don't seem that mad about like, the heart smart tick, any, any of the general kind of bullshit where you can, just, you can just pay to have a sort of random certification put on your food yeah. in order to appeal to some market
3: almost like it's nothing to do with money. It, it feels, it's
4: starting to feel a little <laughs> mm, like just that. Just a
3: little. Uh,
4: I, I just thought I'd check something because I had a sneaking suspicion that this might be the case. Uh, in in 2013, uh, Pauline Hansen did come out as being in support of not banning live export, which the live okay. cattle export was, they wanted to axe that because we were getting like crazy video of Indonesian slaughterhouses where they were just like. Oh, yeah. Beating the shit mm-hmm. out of cows and killing them with their fists and chainsawing them to death and stuff. So, clearly, the treatment of animals is not something that she cares about until it gives her a way to be racist. I feel like, I feel like this has been pretty thoroughly established about Pauline. What, that she's
0: racist? What? That is wild. <laughs> wild. <laughs> I'm going to need you to publicly retract that, then. <laughs> I will not. Moving on. Moving on from our old friend Pauline, we also had a um, renowned huge piece of shit Senator Ian McDonald mm. um, who infuriates me at every turn his presence his presence in this world is a constant thorn in my side because I have to know that he exists, and I, like for anyone who's not familiar with him, you can like Google him and look up pretty much any article in which they're quoting something he has said and you can read it and become enraged that He's someone a real piece is, of shit oh someone so closed-minded and actively trying to stop anything from happening at all times mm. um, my f- my favorite was when he was heading up the committee that was reviewing um, the report into the abuse of children in detention programs that the government is running And while chairing that committee, he proudly stated that, of course, he hadn't read the report that they were all there to review. Why am I going to read some some biased lefty garbage like that, he said. And then proceeded to sit on a, not sit on, to chair a committee, which was supposed to be talking about what is a really fucked issue. So Ian MacDonald was in his uh, Senate Estimates hearing today. Not today, this week. And he, uh, he gets a little bit carried away with the power, the power of the chair, and he thought that he would try and throw out um, Greens Senator Nick McKim, and it didn't really work out.
4: He has been consistently interjecting through the you can't last...
0: You can make me leave, mate. I'm not going. What are you going to do about it?
4: We will have a private meeting to deal with Senator McKim's... I've been advised by the clerk that I do not have uh, power uh, to evict anyone or to prevent anyone from asking uh, questions. It's, it's it's just really the, good. I love it. The the timing of it is just like fucking amazing. It just feels like like an always sunny joke or something where it's just like I'm gonna have you kicked out of the Senate and then it just immediately splash cuts to <laughs> Ian McDonald does not kick. Senator McKee, McKim out of the estimates. Like fucking mm, It's very um so satisfying. It's very
0: arrested It's very arrested development. Like uh, I'm gonna make sure you never step back in here again. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> so I'm um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the clip for that one in the in the description for the show because it's really beautiful. I love um I love the little edit, the little stab of the waiting room music.
4: <laughs> Shout out to David Shiraz, I believe, put that together. David Shiraz at David Shiraz. At, please at him. Tell him, hey, man. Good shot.
0: Nice shot. I appreciated this this little edit. Um, I'll throw that one in there.
4: There was another bit, I don't know if you've got this clip there, uh, the one between Pauline Hanson and Scott Ludlam, where this was the part where all of the conservatives were trying to demonstrate that the ABC should not exist, and Pauline Hanson was uh, angrily demanding why her party was so unfairly targeted just because it very much looks like they were committing a kind of fraud Uh, do you have that clip to play
3: Um, we, then, we cover the then the you might like to explain to me then why was One Nation targeted in the Four Corners <laughs> interview and also in the 7.30 report just recently. Does it look like you broke the law? Senator, you have Senator, actually... Because you seem to have broken sorry, the law. Sorry, Excuse Senator, me, S- I'm asking no, no, question. S- Senator, Senator Hanson. It's not
4: targeting, S- it's Senator journalism.
2: Hanson.
0: Oh, it's very good. It's very good. Oh, my it's, God. It's got such a... Shout-out, Scott Ludlum, in front oh, of the show.
2: Cheers, um,
0: Scott.
4: Uh, definitely watch the video if you can as well, because you can just see him in the background of that camera angle, just slowly becoming furious as she's asking the question. It's it's delightful. Just
0: absolutely, absolutely incredulous expression on his face um, as he yeah as he explains. Well, you you've done a bunch of things on camera and while being recorded and have been caught. Hell, you went to jail that time.
4: She well, I believe she was let off for that one, but she might be going back again.
0: Yeah. For,
4: for some background into this, so that the four corners story and the the seven thirty report story were about how uh, a bunch of disgruntled One Nation party members were saying that they were fleecing them for marketing materials and like big printing packages and stuff. And they also there was a lot of accusations thrown around that uh, someone called Bill Mcnee, I think his name is, had donated a plane to them and they hadn't declared it. As oh, you do. And so the evidence for that was that they've never declared having a plane, but also they have a plane that has One Nation written all over it. Pauline Hansen's face is on it. Yes, it's very much her plane. Um, and then, so they've been like, oh, this is nonsense. But in the last week, oh, because they initially tried to claim that they were just borrowing the plane that had their name on it. Uh, but yeah, they yeah. found out this week that they had like gone plane shopping found a model plane that they like which was this one and then told the guy hey can you buy this plane for us and also there was that recording from staffer well of staffer James Ashby saying hey if we sell printing packages to potential One Nation candidates at a double markup we could just get the reimbursement for it and keep it all for us so that we make money every time we sell stuff to people so the two things they're accused of Hmm. they've 100% done
0: um, they're going to get some of that sweet racism money before they go straight to prison again. <laughs>
4: straight to racism jail. Yeah, straight to, <laughs> straight
0: to race jail. All right, well, keep, it, keep moving along here. Another thing that was announced this week was um, friend of the show, Daisy Cousins. Shout out, Daisy Shout Cousins. Shout out to Daisy. Um, yep, yeah. well, actually, a um, friend of the show, Mark Latham, was, uh. was publicizing that uh, Daisy Cousins will be hosting a screening of the Red Pill
3: Of course she will, of course she
0: will Yes, yes, it's the pill It's the pill you eat when you're just Sick and tired of all the feminism Mm. That you're having to do Having to do all the feminism every day
4: The red pill is actually ketamine That's the pill that they're referring to (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sick of women Oh, oh, this is
0: (sighs) Going into my hole Going into my k-hole Um so so she's hosting a screening of that um to support an extremely um uh, family court united sounding organization then i kind of threw it out there that maybe because it's in sydney if anybody would like to surreptitiously attend this event and um and maybe report back to us on it that that would be very good like for us not the person who has to actually go no absolutely not um so we've had a volunteer a, a, a sneaky friend of the show has volunteered and um, and I would be kind of interested in making this happen as as we all discussed um, if we do get this thing uh, happening we will probably just have to all um, donate an equivalent amount of the ticket to like a women's shelter just to make sure that we're not uh, accidentally doing something horrible by nice. funding our
4: net impact on the world to be somewhat good <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, we want it to tip over into positive So um, it, the, un, the unfortunate thing here though Is that for the screening to actually Take place at all They need to sell um, a whopping 50 tickets to the film And it's not looking great At this point um, They're pretty far into it now And so far um, 18 people have committed wow. To buying a ticket and coming along
3: I wonder what kind of people Those 18 people are
4: Mm. I feel I like I just, would have some idea. If you picture the person you would least want to be staring at you on a bus,
3: mm. yeah,
4: it's every—they're it, all that person.
0: Well, watch watch the trailer for the film itself or the extended uh, eight minute preview. Oh, it's fantastic! Exactly, exactly the kind of guy who was probably buying those tickets. So you know, we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean, Lucy's already taken a little look into the film because uh, our plan was that if if we can swing this thing, then we'll have a bit of, a, a bit of an interview about the, the screening and Daisy's comments and mm. also maybe a little, little capsule review of the film itself.
3: Well, I think the preview is probably enough, to be honest. <laughs> I think I sort of got the uh, whole idea of what the entire movie is about.
4: Have you been red-pilled?
3: I have been red-pilled, and since I haven't seen The Matrix, I assume that's when you take a pill and it makes you a massive fuckwit.
0: Hmm. You can, you can see The Matrix now. You can see all those lines of green code running all over family court and biasing <laughs> everyone against men.
3: Have you actually not yeah. seen The Matrix? No, I've never seen The Matrix. But I feel like if it's being co-opted by these people, I might have made the right choice. Oh, don't put that on us.
4: Don't put that on, <laughs> on us humble people who have watched The Matrix. That's not fair. Mm, mm. I'm sorry. Come on, great moments, in, great moments in Aussie cinema, that one.
3: You're both mm. family court dads. Undercover oh. <laughs> family court dads.
4: I just want to see my children. More. I
3: just want my kids back. Women, they'll mm. suck you dry, mate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Every time I watch the movie and Morpheus holds out the two pills, um, I scream at Neo not to be a cuck <laughs> and to just to just take his medicine. Um, so, look, we'll we'll keep you posted about that one. Like I said, it would be interesting if it happened. Um, it also would not be even slightly surprising that uh, that Daisy couldn't manage to swing. 50 tickets to a show by posting thirst traps all over Twitter uh. um, which is, has been weird and disconcerting mm. coming up next we've got an interview with friend of the show Goran at Joke Lover aka Pig Boy um, number one all time online respecter of women mm-hmm. uh, and he is going to explain for us a little bit of the context around what is a tanky where does it come from and why is it talking about these things All right. Uh, Thank you for joining us, Goran. You're very welcome. Um,
1: I would like to open by talking about the podcast itself. Um, I would like to denounce you all as weak, soft Mm -hmm. social democrats who are definitely Mm -hmm. counter-revolutionary. I'd like to denounce Ubuntu Vista Socialist Club as being uh, counter-revolutionary and supporting
0: Western imperialism. (laughs) If you... Look, if you are accusing us of being a psyop, an yeah. avo psyop, uh, all I can say is I'm not going to discuss it any further. I'm not confirming or denying anything. It's it's not really it's not really any of your business who we get paid by, right. how much we get paid, who we've black bagged, what sort of ops we've been on out of the country, how many people we've offed, what sort of graves we've mm. dug. <laughs> like it's it's not it's not your business. I didn't invite you on the show to pry yeah okay
1: well i mean like we're seeing like the traditional id poll coming out again you know like oh do not invade my personal space with your accusation of working for the cia well i mean like this is exactly why you guys are going to be against the wall first against the wall actually not even first against the wall but actually like you're going to be the skulls we build the wall out of and then we're going to put somebody first against the wall
0: I, w- I want to be on somebody's necklace. I-, I demand. I demand to be on somebody's necklace of ears. Well, I mean, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, personally, me, yeah.
1: I'm going to be the one to execute you. Because like, you're a friend, and I want like you to have that personal experience <laughs> when you get purged.
0: You tri- I could treat that body with respect. <laughs> treat that body with respect. <laughs> so, I was hoping that uh, we could get you on to have a little chat about... A subject, a subject I started thinking about recently, which was tankies. Sure. And um, as I noted to you earlier, I, I kind of realized that um, I don't think it's a thing that is actually that that widely understood mm. um, in Australia, possibly outside of the old the old Twitter Twittersphere. Mm. Um, and I would go one further than that and say that uh, I feel like a lot of Australians, particularly white Australians I've talked to don't, seem to, don't seem to really get what's up. Whereas when I talk to my friends who are like... Uh, from say Bosnia no. or Greece or Turkey, um, countries countries with a more complicated uh, military history, sure. complicated history of conflicts, uh, they generally seem to have a bit more of a, a bit more of an understanding of that whole scene. Uh, they don't seem any less perplexed by it, mm-hmm. but they at least seem aware.
1: Um, okay, so like before we start talking about tankies, I wanted to talk about. Uh... I wanted to talk about marxism in general i want to give you a basic definition mm-hmm. of marxism which i think will aid your viewers um uh, viewers listeners um to understanding like why these guys are fucking insane mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. what i've got for you is a three-point uh, breakdown <clears throat> of what marxism is so All right. uh the basic ideas of marxism uh could probably be break, broken down to three points. First of all, uh, Marxism is a science. Uh, Marxism is not interested in moral philosophy or uh, what is right and wrong. It's an objective analysis of why capitalism is a conflicted system and uh, and an amoral system that you can then like based on your moral ideology decide on. So. Uh, marxism first of all places capitalism as objectively exploitative second of all uh, marxists see the world as divided into classes which struggle against each other Uh, the rich subjugate the poor and so on Uh, the rich are the ones who dominate the intellectual pursuits such as for example economics the economics the sociology the cultural history that they produce favors their perspective so it's very important that uh, an intellectual discipline that an analyzes society from, a, from the people's perspective, from the common person's perspective, the worker's perspective, emerges as well to challenge those bourgeois ideas. And that's what Marxism is. It's a holistic critical theory which looks at the, the world from the common man's perspective. And finally, Marxism understands capitalism as being doomed. It is inherently an unequal ideology. It is rapacious. It knows no limit. It brooks no command uh, and cannot be controlled. It will eventually destroy itself uh, and take as many people with it as possible, which is why it must be overthrown before it can do any more damage. So that's the Marxist mm-hmm. perspective, and you can apply that perspective to so, uh, sociology, culture, um, economics, and various other pursuits which is why there are Marxists in various other fields of, of intellectual pursuits. Mm-hmm. So that's what Marxism is, actually. Uh, and now we can talk about why tankies are fucking insane
0: and uh, yeah. have nothing to do with Marxism at all. Do they fashion themselves as being uh, arbiters of Marxism? Uh,
1: <clears throat> to say that they fashion themselves as arbiters of Marxism is, uh, is, is putting it lightly. Uh, Phil Greaves <laughs> I think Phil Greaves is a good point to start on because Phil is, I guess, the Ur tanky. He is the prima facie tanky uh, who um, sort of exemplifies everything a tanky is.
0: Everything a tanky is and can be. All the the, lim- the limits a tanky can reach.
1: Exactly. So, um, Phil Greaves, let me just read you his pinned tweet. And, of course, Phil has, like... Phil's avatar is Lenin on holiday. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. uh, Phil has a quote from Karl Marx as his pit tweet, which goes like this Our task is that of ruthless criticism and much more against ostensible friends than that of open enemies. Um, so that's Phil Grieve talking about Karl Marx as a poster. Now, posting is a great art, I much respect it. Um, It's true And people would People think Well like Posting online Is Is a tradition That comes from uh, From the 2000s Or from the 2010s Well actually no Uh, Poetry Literature Philosophy Is all Best understood As posting It's all posting posting.
0: We can all remember We all remember Those um, Those original posts uh, Cave painting Yeah Of course you know somebody somebody saw like a, a, a bison yeah. something they were like I gotta get I gotta get that out there yeah. I gotta share that yeah
1: and some people shared the bison of course other people said the bison was transphobic
0: Prob- problematic bison exactly
1: so posting has been with us all the time hmm. uh, and Karl Marx was definitely uh, an aut- autistic young man who loved posting uh, he loved posting through newspapers through uh, political um, tracts Uh, His economic manuscripts, which are the sort of like proto Dark Capital, were very much fashioned, like if anybody posted on something awful, they would understand the format Karl Marx used exactly. Because what my man Karl would do is he would like take a little passage from Adam Smith or Ricardo and he would say exactly why it was wrong and retarded. And that's exactly how you would argue on something awful in debate and discussion circa 2005. Mm-hmm. So you would like take some of these posts, you'd quote a little bit of it, and then you would write yep. 2,000 words about them, why they were wrong.
0: Well, to this very day, we're all out there s- screen capping posts.
1: I mean, like, that's how I started. That's how I got my start in posting. That's how all we <laughs> we all got our start in posting. Um, so Bill is very, very, very obsessed with this aspect of Karl Marx but the fundamental thing you need to know about Karl Marx Marx first of all was not scared of going outside mm. he actually mm. dared to go outside his apartment um, Karl Marx that's, li- that's true alpha yeah he's very alpha uh, Marx for example lived in multiple cities he lived in, in London and in fact is well noted as loving to get on the piss so Karl Marx uh, is a guy who definitely went outside definitely loved a bit of the grog. he loved got amongst it massively got amongst it uh, but at the same time he was a poster like one must not discount the, uh, the posting qualities of Karl Marx because he wooed his wife by taking her out for a walk and then uh, ranting about Hegel for three hours
0: now most women will be turned off that's how, that's how I won my wife over <laughs>
1: Now, Karl Marx, you would think most women would be turned off by this. They would be turned off by the idea of a guy ranting about Hegel. But in the eighteen fifties, it was just fucking hot. So Karl Marx yeah. actually managed to have sex and get married.
0: The eighteen 18- in the eighteen fifties you're like, this guy this guy's thinking. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Um the the fundamental point to understand about this is that Phil Greaves does none of these things he doesn't go outside Mm -hmm. he doesn't get into like fights in the in the pub he doesn't have sex phil greaves is a very rich man who stays in his apartment that his parents bought and he yells at people about capitalism uh, and about the fact that they're like imperialist stooges online Uh, phil ...thinks this is the apex of capitalist, uh, anti-capitalist praxis. And which is why... ...Fuel is kind of a joke online. Mm. He's incredibly mentally ill. He doesn't know how to get high. He doesn't know how to get drunk. And he yells at people online. That's the first thing you need Mm. to understand about tankies.
0: The the poster's agony. What I'm wondering about the old tankies is... ...what is the logic that leads a tanky to, like, a stern and vigorous of defense of, say, Assad or, uh, Kim Jong-un?
1: Well, the first thing we need to understand about Assad is that he is the Lion of Syria. He is the Golden Lion, uh, lion of Syria. He will prevail against all enemies. Um, but having said that, uh, Phil Greaves has a unique mental illness, um that comes primarily post brain yes he's got the post brain he's got the internet brain he uh, understands the world um in two groups he himself is the only real communist and this is true for all tankies mm. they're the only real communist everybody else is a CIA stooge just like sent by the CIA to spy on them first of all yeah uh second of all um Phil feels that even though he has never worked a day in his life, even though he has absolutely no fucking idea what's going on outside of the house that his parents bought for him, um, Phil feels he knows about the working people better than somebody who, I don't know, uh, had to stack shelves in Woolworths or had to stack shelves Mm. in Coles. I might not be Phil Greaves I, not be, I might not be a silver spoon baby but I think it says something about me as a communist the fact that I work, for, work in advertising mm-hmm. and, uh, and that I make ads to sell real estate in Sydney so like fundamentally I'm put in the perfect position to understand who a working man
0: is yeah either either that or you're in a perfect uh, position to know exactly who should be up against the wall first yeah um, I will be gotta have eyes on him
1: I will be Laverne Barrier. I will be uh, sentencing people in mock trials I'm highly mm. looking forward to that but I guess like what I'm really looking forward to uh, when the communist revolution comes is eventually being executed by the regime myself mm. I think that's really like the best thing a communist can do for a regime is like help yeah. bring it about bring the revolution to the people, and then dying a gulag from frostbite because all your toes are falling off. I mean, uh,
0: yeah. that's all I can hope for. Well, it's the only known cure for posting. Mm. <sighs> Squ- squirreled away in Siberia somewhere, yeah. terrible, terrible internet connections. It takes so long, so long to load anything up. You just give up after a while. Yeah.
1: I mean, like, you, you wanna post, my dick has fallen off, and uh, and it, like taste like the little like rolling spinning circle thing is just gone for 20 minutes yep.
0: and you're like oh, oh thank god. god yeah lost another finger I'm trying to get this dick message out I'm trying to fly this dick dick kite to the world yeah like I mean like imagine texting a Swede from Siberia it's incredibly difficult yeah um, you know, uh, if you get that whole hey babe my parents aren't home thing how long is it going to take you to get there from Siberian Gulag? Yeah, massively long There's almost no, there's almost no point in even receiving the message So, so a tanky then A tanky then is someone who believes that they are the purest form of communist Absolutely And anyone who disagrees, anyone who disagrees in any way um, Is a CIA, a sh- yeah, it's a CIA
1: it's stooge Yeah um, so, at this point, I think it's really good to talk about uh, Piss Big Grandad, who is really the biggest Ooh. CIA stooge of them all. Um,
0: uh, friend, friend, friend of the show, Piss Big Grandad. Yeah. Okay. Brace Belden. Uh, you, you listeners at home, you might know him from his adventures overseas.
1: Yeah. Uh, Piss Big Grandad joined the YPG, which is a communist cell in Kurdish Syria. Um, mm-hmm. So, Brace... Was a florist, uh, a dedicated Leninist, and uh, and went off to fight ISIS in Syria. Now, as soon as he did this, uh, the tankies were really, really fucking mad at him because he put his money where his mouth is, and they absolutely cannot
0: do that. So. Uh, well, I mean, like he'd, he'd, he, broke, he broke the rules straight up front when he left the apartment. Exactly. As soon as you leave the yeah. apartment, you're not a real communist.
1: You've,
0: uh, you've already topped Phil Greaves and made him look terrible
1: in front of everybody. Exactly. So, it's, so the fundamental thing to understand about any other leftist, uh, as far as tankies are concerned, is jealousy. If you ever had mm. sex, you're not a real communist. If you've gone outside your apartment, you're not a real communist. And Brace Belden did so much more than that. First of all, Brace has a girlfriend.
0: Strike one. Yeah.
1: Second of all, Brace went out of his apartment, and not just went out of his apartment, but went to Syria. So, mm. Brace goes
0: like, to... he, he left his he left his street, he left the neighborhood, and he just kept going. Exactly. Going- Quarter tra- Like all, all- Quarter bus,
1: quarter train, quarter plane and did not have a social anxiety breakdown at any one of those things. So Brace is in Syria and the first thing that, that, that the tankies want to know is whether he had permission from Assad and the Syrian government to be in Syria. And of course Brace had to say no. He didn't have permission from Assad. Which obviously is clear evidence that he is a CIA jackbooted thump Mash, like, mm. you know, like marching his fascist boots up and down Syria on behalf of the deep state. So Brace comes back from the United States. He's doing his talks. He's uh, he's going on podcasts. And this really just
0: p- further proof that he's a PSYOP, isn't it? Mm. Well, he's, he's back in the country and he's spreading that insidious CIA message, apparently. Clearly. So... Brace uh, made a massive error, which is
1: he uh, killed maybe one ISIS guy, uh, and then um, and then came back home alive, which is something that Phil Greaves could never overdo. Look, what you need to understand about the world is two things. First of all, uh, anybody who has gone outside clearly works for the CIA second of all mm. anybody who manages to make money from posting is clearly in the cia uh, mm. and finally anybody who is remotely likable and has friends
0: mm-hmm. is more more than clearly in the cia in the cia yeah yeah well i mean i i don't know i don't know how much more proof you need than that no,
1: none you don't need any
0: proof Yeah. See,
1: this is what I hate about conspiracy theories. I hate conspiracy theories that have proof. I like my conspiracy Mm. theories to be entirely based on uh, tweets and what I come up with after I've had like 50 fucking hits of ketamine and watched uh, an Alex Jones YouTube. That's the kind of conspiracy Mm -hmm. I like. That's the kind of veritable conspiracy theory I believe in.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it takes a little creativity, you know? Exactly. A little creativity... Bit of time spent in the old K hole. Um, that's where you get the good shit from. Right. Speaking of Alex Jones, it's a little little sad to see him out there in his family court case, claiming that um, that he's actually doing a bit. Mm. Um, although very clearly, you yeah. know, that was that was just a ruse to defeat the powerful family court. Um, finally, finally get a bit of honor back for a, for a dedicated male virulent testosterone-laden poster. I mean, like, basically, like,
1: I I can't see any reason for Family Court to exist except for the New World Order to repress traditional masculinity.
0: Mm. I don't know about you. Yeah, that's how they take your your strong, large sons away from you. So, Phil (laughs) Graves, very mentally ill. Uh, Beyond that,
1: tankies are fundamentally about believing in their own sense of righteousness and understanding themselves as the only real Marxist in the world. Now, besides Molly Klein and Phil Greaves, there are a lot of tankies. You have Tazi, who is another very prolific poster. You have uh, Club de uh who is a kind of a hanger-on. So basically, it's Molly Klein, it's Phil Greaves, and then a whole bunch of guys that parrot exactly what those two, two say.
0: A whole bunch of guys who are like, maybe if I sounded more like Phil, Molly, and fucking. Basically, every girl
1: thinks that way, right? Like, if you sound like Phil Graves, she's gonna fuck I'm down, yeah, fucking
0: down. The one other aspect I was interested in, and I assume that it comes from the uh, considering yourself the purest communist sure. kind of stance, is um, yeah. So, so how do you wind up with those kind of tankies whose bios are like, hands off North Korea? And like that kind of that kind of obsession with um, with sovereignty and the idea that anything that you hear, anything negative that you hear about another country is obviously um, like psyop propaganda from your own country. It's very hard to analyze tanky politics
1: because they're not very coherent. I don't think they actually understand what Marxism is about. I don't think they understand what Leninism is about. I think fundamentally, it's there are a lot of lonely people in the world. Those people need something to believe in. They need something which makes them feel important, uh, like they have a truth which nobody else
0: possesses. Uh, see, it's funny. It's funny you say that because that's kind of that's a lot of my my personal theory about conspiracy theory stuff about things like 9-11 and Sandy Hook truthers and stuff like that. I. I feel like, um, well, number one, I feel like part of the reason that the people who seem like the most dedicated, you know, conspiracy theorist sniffers often seem to be like young dudes. There, there maybe seems to be a bit of an overlap there with people who they want to feel like they're the smartest person in the room. They want to feel like there's this accepted truth about what happened with the situation. But they know, like you were saying, they know a larger truth. They know a deeper truth. They know something that other people don't know. And it kind of makes them the, the smartest person in the room. Um, and I, I think that's coupled with some people with um, just a coping mechanism for the brain if there is a thing like say 9-11 or Sandy Hook or whatever that is just a, a, tr- a truly abhorrent act that somebody has undertaken I think there are some people whose brains just won't permit them to look at that and say yeah well I guess um, I guess someone just did that on purpose <laughs> uh, I think yeah, like I think some people, some people don't want to accept that, you know. Yeah. A couple of dudes just put a bunch of effort into to get on some planes and crash into some buildings and kill thousands of people in a single in a single afternoon, because you know that would mean that you're living in a world where people will gladly do that shit to each other on purpose. Whereas maybe it's a lot more relaxing for somebody's smooth brain if they just tell themselves, ah, there's 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 rhyme and reason to it. There's a there's actually an ulterior motive. There's a larger thing at play, you know. Absolutely. some people, it's a. I think for some people, it's a comfort, and I'm sure that that, like you were saying, I think, I think that comfort swings both ways. And I think for some people, the comfort is the idea that there's a bunch of other idiot normies out there who believe that you know, like an idiot who
1: is a part of the uh, the manufactured consensus, like you and I. We would look at the foreign policy in Syria, and we would notice that like, the uh, CIA-backed militias fighting the Department of Defense-backed militias, both of whom are allied with Al-Qaeda, we would say, oh, American foreign policy is insane and doesn't make no sense, and actually Americans are idiots who uh, just have a lot of power and money and nukes and are otherwise morons. You and I would say that, but Molly looks at that and sees uh, a much, much larger pattern,
0: uh, an incredibly complex scheme to dominate the world. Hey, look, look, I, I challenge you. I challenge you to show me a single aspect of the contemporary American political spectrum that, that seems kind of dumb. That <laughs> seems like maybe it's not going that well. It seems like maybe uh, everything's gone spectacularly wrong, it's a bunch of uh, fucking extremely yeah. cooked uh, idiots in charge. Yeah. I don't see any of it. I don't see any yeah. of it.
1: Yeah. I mean like you get your typical moron and he believes that Trump was elected basically because of gerrymandering and because uh, working people are discontented with neoliberalism. You and I believe that because we're idiots. Molly Klein yeah. knows the truth, which is that Trump is a CIA stooge, uh,
0: put there to allow neoliberalism to take over even deeper. You know, I'm glad that I now, I now know a bunch more about the world. Sure. I'm Glad that I understand uh, who is and who isn't working for the CIA. Uh, the answer being, of course, almost everyone. Everybody works for the CIA. There's a reason. There's a reason that the American defense budget is so.
1: Yeah, because about eighty percent of the population works for the
0: CIA. Yeah, I mean you don't see a lot of that money in like uh, in in physical materials or anything. Absolutely, but a shit ton, absolute shit ton of salaries being paid. But because it's all off the books, it seems like all those people are unemployed. Yeah, so um, if you're out there and you kind of want to get a taste of um, some some cooked brains, you can check out Phil Phil Greaves on Twitter. You can check out Molly Klein at Red Kahina on Twitter. And I'm sure that you can just jump off from there into a uh, a deep deep pool of wild theories, uh, insanely cooked stuff, constantly accusing anyone who disagrees with you of secretly working for the government, uh, being a psyop, uh, all that sort of really normal stuff. Yeah. That we're all big fans of. Absolutely. Yeah. Or you can or you can just have have listened to this and think, great, now I know what that is, and I don't need to, don't need to poison my frontal lobe wading into those waters uh,
1: one thing I would say is for example let's say that you have a boyfriend um, and your boyfriend uh, wanted to go to a party without you but that also is a CISI op well clear clearly <laughs> 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 well, it's obvious it's <laughs> obvious <laughs> um, a guy um, asks you uh, which way is let's say I don't know the the uh, Museum of Contemporary Art, Uh, that guy is also a PSYOP. If anybody stops you on the street, if anybody talks to you at work, uh, if anybody tries to get a quarter from you or a cigarette from you on the street, that is a CIA
0: spy up. Yeah, and it stands to reason, if anybody anybody says anything to you and you find it suspicious, uh, that person clearly works for the CIA. But if they say something to you and there's nothing suspicious about it, that means that they're good. That means that person is a pro. If they're not even if they're not even triggering any of your Psyop sensors. Yeah. Then it means they're probably probably a seasoned vet. You're probably gonna get the old um, the old Russian beryllium poisoning. <laughs> so just And and of course that leads us back to our very first lesson. Never leave the apartment. Why would you leave the apartment? How can you get poisoned by the CIA if you don't leave the apartment? Exactly. And also, like, how can you bring about communism better
1: than posting on Twitter 24 hours a day?
0: Well, how can you bring about um, true communism better than by never actually interacting with another human? Basically, if you talk to a person, you're part of the U.S. deep state. I think that we can safely conclude that. Well, I think we will leave it there. Uh, I thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. If you're a woman and you would like to be respected online... Please follow Goran. <laughs> um, we'll dole out, dole out heaping spoonfuls of respect to you. Massively. Well, Thanks very much for your time, man. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and thank you very much to Gorin for giving us his time for that interview. And uh, now we figured we might close out the show with a bit of everybody's favourite segment, The Mailbag. It's the mailbag that gave us the timeless, consensual cannibalism question that people would just really like us to move on from. <laughs> but we will, we will go back to yep. but in-depth. Yeah. I'm going to give it a hot ten minutes, and then we'll be done with it. But, uh, all right, so I've, I've picked out some questions here from our dedicated readers. Um, once again, we've got uh, the, the right mix of, you know, respectful, serious questions that we love, and also questions from... Uh, people who are uh, like us. Fuckwits? Yes, mm. yep. that's, that's the one. That's what I'm thinking of. Alright, so, uh, just to start us off here, we've got friend of the show, Lex, at Wokus Bloke, on the old tweets. He wants to know, what percentage of people do you think are consuming conservative media, uh, for example, Mark Latham's Outsiders, etc., ironically, or in order to criticise it?
3: Mm. I want to say a lot, but when you watch Mark Latham's Outsiders feed, which I do completely ironically,
2: <laughs> mm.
3: <laughs> you can see a lot of people that are like, "Yeah, Mark, you just, yeah, you're so correct. You're so good. Love you." Mm.
4: There is a torrent of that. Mm. Well, maybe a
0: distinction to make here is that um, within our little circle, uh, we we all look at Mark Latham from our irony-poisoned lens of Twitter. Uh, where we all just kind of sit around and, you know, try and figure out what the fuck is going on. Whereas the, uh, the broadcast from his, inverted commas, television show, <laughs> um, with its high quality green screen stuff, it's as good as The Matrix. The quality <laughs> of the special effects is as good as The Matrix. Um, but that takes place on Facebook, which is um, far less ironic, far more normie.
4: It's, it's more pure, Twitter. I would say.
0: Yeah, a lot more, a lot more pure expression of dumb sentiment, and um, like you said, you can see those comments rolling by of people going, um, mm, "Maybe if you, maybe the Mark Party, I'd vote for the Mark Party." People say. "Thank, thank you for telling it like it is," which is a favorite sentiment of mine. So I don't know. I feel like it. I feel like it's hard to say, although it really does beg the question: who is actually paying for like copies of the Spectator and Quadrant and shit like that?
4: Mm. Yeah, I think I think it would be nice to believe that it's mainly just us, but, I mean, mm. like, that's the thing, you know, if you're on Twitter, you kind of assume that what you see of the way people interact with it is representative, but, I mean, he's getting, like, I don't know, what, 6,000 views? I'm sure it's dropped down to, like, 500 by this week, but there's mm. got to be, like, four irony watches in that mm. for every 100 people that are, you know, watching it actually earnestly. Mm. And also because it's, particularly in the case of outsiders, it's it's unwatchable. It is absolutely...
3: Oh, it's horrible. If you, don't, oh, yeah.
4: if you don't agree with yep. the shit that he's saying, it just makes me furious. I think just watching it and not having a right of reply to everything he yeah. says makes me very angry. I just want to grab his lapels and just scream into his face. <laughs>
0: when I tried to get into it for the show um, last week, I felt like I was being physically poisoned. It was mm. that, that idiot. It does poison you. Mm. So to answer that question, I'm going to say, um, it's hard to tell, but I think that on, on Twitter specifically, I think the balance is massively tipped towards oh. irony and mocking. Um, but we all kind of knew that. Mm. Uh, so let's, let's move on here. A uh, friend of the show, Retro Vertigo, is asking, which politician gets caught jacking off in Parliament House the most?
3: Oh. It's oh. Lionhelm. Absolutely. <laughs> Who, who who you got? David. David Blaine.
4: He's, he's he is jerking it constantly. Oh. He's, he's right made now. A bunch of masturbation jokes on Twitter as well.
3: Oh.
0: Yeah. Oh, see, I I thought about this before the show, and um, did you my first... cheating? But
4: okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> sure. You gotta you gotta prep. You gotta give consideration to these very serious questions, and um, I my mind immediately went to like you know really conservative Christian like you Cory Bernardi. Oh, yeah. mm yeah. Um, you, you're George Christensen in a, in a wife beater on the cover of a magazine Holding a, holding oh a crop <laughs> holding, a, holding a little whip um, Where, you know, I feel like I feel like it's been kind of time tested That the more insanely publicly sexually repressed you are yeah,
2: the, the more, more you, are up const- you are
0: Absolutely. Yeah, the more constantly you're going to be beating off In like recess chambers and yeah. stuff like that but, I don't think Bernardi lets himself
4: masturbate
3: I don't think he jacks off at all
4: Yeah, he has, like, the cold clinical precision of a serial killer. He will not allow himself the luxury Mm. of jacking off.
0: He, um, he will not allow any of his powerful essence to escape. You
4: know, it fuels his body.
0: (laughs) No. Not when he needs to put all that energy into addressing, um, his mailing list. Oh, Uh, he's... For the Australian...
4: He's, uh... I don't think things have worked out as well as he would have hoped. Uh... Mm. In his his bid to like start a great Trumpian movement, from his, oh, it was a one man party. Now it's two man party because he uh, took someone from the dissolving family first. No, no, it was um, it was it was, Kiralee
0: Smith, who's like just a f- fucking psychotic anti-Islam. Um, she's like one of the one of the Bendigo mosque protesters. Oh God. Um, so he he took her on as a member, I think, and then they like. Then they like um coalitioned with Family First.
4: Oh yeah, but then they, they retained they retained the Australian Conservatives name. That's mm. yeah. He's he's just I don't think he got what he wanted. It seemed like a very weird move. He was in a position where he was calling a lot of the shots in the Liberal Party.
0: No, uh it was just kinda of fucked it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah,
4: and now no one ever talks about him except us now, giving him time. Hello, Corey, friend of the show. Well, <laughs>
0: Well, um, all right, so we can settle on that one by saying we're not entirely sure who beats off the most, but the person who definitely absolutely never beats off, Cory Bernardi.
4: Cory Bernardi, no fap warrior.
0: Godspeed. Yeah. I respect it. I, I like this next question. Friend of the show, piss underscore Mishima, <laughs> asks, <laughs> asks um, who will be our first celeb prime minister?
3: Jane one.
4: Shane Ward, yeah, it's, for
3: it's sure. going to be warning.
0: Fuck, yep. Fuck, that had not even occurred to me. Not even close. Um, I'm going to lock that. I'm going to lock that
4: down to that right now. I agree. Uh, alternate suggestion: uh, Stephen Bradbury.
3: Nice.
4: Oh. I think nice, a nice. similar um, sort of thing will happen where he'll luck his way into the election, yeah. and then Go everyone else Shane will Warden. fall over or die, and then he'll yeah. win. Yeah. Uh maybe for international listeners a bit of context, Stephen Bradbury is Australia's greatest athlete uh, who mm-hmm. won gold in the I'm going say two thousand and six Winter Olympics. Yeah. I don't know. But he won because he got into the semifinals and everyone that was in front of him fell over and then when he got into the finals everyone that was in front of him fell over. So oh, he's beautiful. Just beautiful. He's, he's Australian an Australian ag- hero. He is. He is an Australian hero. That's honestly like just the most quality Australian moment in sporting history. He wasn't yep. that great. Not an amazing skater, and uh, he pulled it out for us. Well done.
0: Hmm.
3: Well done, Steve. Yeah.
0: Got another question here. Friend of the show, uh, Quantum Scumbag on Twitter asks. Now, again, for international listeners, for context, um, you're gonna need to you're gonna need to Google um, aggro the Puppet. Or maybe, uh, aggro, hey, hey, it's Saturday. Or maybe even Agro's cartoon connection.
4: But, I mean, in a sentence, he was, uh, a rabidly angry, like, disgusting Muppet. Yes, yes. <laughs> that just um, said a, rude shit to people.
3: He was horny, too. Yeah. I think he was horny. Was he horny? Well,
0: this ties into the question. So. okay. I, I reckon, well, I'm gonna say on, like, hey, hey, it's Saturday, he was horny. Mm. Um, the question here is... Uh, did the agro puppet have a felt penis that was conveniently kept off screen?
4: Uh, my my personal belief is that he had a human penis, and it was the penis of the puppeteer poking through a hole in the front of the agro puppet. <laughs> well, see, I
0: I really got to expand the scope of this and say I put it to you, my friend, that um everybody who has a penis is keeping it conveniently off screen <laughs> during broadcasts. Uh, every, every time you watch someone who is being filmed from the waist down shout out Mark Latham's Outsiders <laughs> um, there, is, there is a penis just off screen just out of sight but it's there
4: mm-hmm. mm. keep it there in your hearts I think the implication is that it's out though on aggro the reason it needs to be kept off screen is because it's flopping about in front of his little <laughs> puppet body um,
0: I also like the implication this carries that somebody crafted the penis. That somebody, somebody in that puppet workshop just lovingly, <laughs> lovingly tailored together. A little weird dick fag, right?
4: I bet it was really hairy. Really? Like, the, the fur that covers his body also covers the entirety of his penis, except, obviously, for the glands.
3: <laughs> but
0: what if it's the only part of him that's smooth? You
4: know?
3: Oh, no. No. <laughs>
4: It's actually, like, perfectly human flesh-coloured as well. I think I just keep coming back to the idea oh, that Agro having a human penis is very It's just the funny. puppeteers.
0: It's just the <laughs> it's puppeteers. This is the puppeteers' dick, penis. <laughs> Alright, uh, so, one, one last one here. Um, from Mesut Ozil. He asks, which politician has the most cooked head?
2: Oh,
4: wow. And
0: straight off the bat, straight off the bat, I want to say Malcolm Roberts. Oh, uh, yeah. you mean how he
4: looks like the Red Skull? but they've just painted human skin on him.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Like, like, just Google, please Google Senator Malcolm Roberts and take a look at any of, like, the first awesome. five photos of him that come up. He looks like he's been, like, left out in the sun in a desert for hundreds of years. Um, like, his, his hair and his irises have been bleached. By the light, he's gone completely insane You can see from the weird hollow look in his eyes It's a very Queenslander head, Ben, I'm mm. going to say
4: Wow, I actually yeah. kind of To me, the traditional Queensland head is a lot bigger than that uh, His head seems like a, a, one of the like shrunken heads from Beetlejuice <laughs> Not correctly proportioned it Seems like he's actually quite a, a gnome of a man, doesn't he? Impish. He looks
3: small, he's a small mm. man
0: Yeah, he seems pretty pretty tiny
4: um, I, I would put um, forward a few other weird head recommendations. Yeah, who you got? Bernardi's head looks like an Easter Island statue. <laughs> oh my god. Yep. Yeah. Is
3: that racist? Yep, it is. Uh, maybe.
4: Uh, if it is, <laughs> remember, definitely representative of the opinions of my boys. Yep. Uh, Barnaby Joyce will go from flesh tone to bright red. Oh yeah. At a second's notice, if he's even like... That's true. Slightly... Agitated in any fashion. Like good or bad, he will just go straight to full red.
0: He's an amazingly colored man. Um Yeah, George Christensen does look like a um a very sadly aged uh Caleb Bond.
4: Mm. <laughs> I just Some want to story, point out that we're not attacking people for their personal appearances. We're merely describing the way in which their personal appearances fucking... <laughs> Who
0: who has the strangest head, that's all? Uh
4: um, Lionhelm's face skin. He's very crinkly. What? He is, his his face skin.
0: He yeah, he's crinkly, but as much of a dick as the man is, you know, his his head, his head's almost human. Oh, it's normal I'm sticking head. with Malcolm Roberts. All
4: right. Well, agree to disagree.
0: Yeah. Right, well, you can have your racist Easter Island head on Cory Bernard. <laughs> Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here. Are
3: you sure we don't want to take Jared Bartle's question?
0: Oh, I think we should. yet. I think we should. All right. I feel All like right. we should. Um, close it off. Let's, let's close this one off. So Jared who asked, friend of the show, Jared Bartle, he asked us about the consensual cannibalism last week and this week, Jared asks, uh, what is your choice? Sex with a hot person implanted with the mind of a close relative versus the body of a close relative implanted with the mind of a hot stranger. Discuss.
4: Can we define our terms here? Like, how close the relative is? Yeah, that's really what I'm getting at.
3: Yeah, that, that was my first question.
4: I'm going to say, like,
0: um, aunties and first cousins. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. Auntie, sorry, un- uncles, if you're swinging that way. <laughs> um, Thank you. But yeah, like, the, you can't you kind of have, like, distant relatives. Look, I'm going to be honest. My mind immediately said uh, hot person with relative's brain. Because um, it kind of it kind of doesn't matter how... You know, sexy. The personality is on the person who is in my Auntie Beryl's body. Mm. It's it, like I'm just not getting past that.
4: So, what you're um, saying is, it's not what's inside that counts.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you know, we're getting into into <laughs> into some pretty deep philosophical questions here about uh-huh. what, which, which part of it is the real incest? I guess. Wow.
3: I feel like it's brain incest. Brain incest is way worse. You would both remember it happening.
4: But I mean, genetic incest is the—I mean, it's the DNA. That's the—that's the bad part, right? Yeah.
3: Eh, Is that really that bad?
4: Well, that's the one (laughs) the government won't let you
0: have a baby with. True. You know. Look, I think at least if it's with brains, like I don't know, you can both pretend. You can both. uh, Well, but for them, I don't know. You are you with your own body.
3: Oh yeah.
4: Is it? So oh, if I'm like... Now I've got to think about their feelings. Yeah, all right, have a little bit of empathy. Yeah, it's all Jesus. well and good that I'm having sex with a hot person with the brain of my cousin. He's having sex with me. Yeah. Lucky. Well, I mean, congrats Lucky. to whichever yeah. of my many, many cousins i have got to later decide will have to be that one.
0: It's unfortunate that at some point you're going to have to nail down a decision and actually do it.
4: Well, you know, you get asked a hypothetical question on Twitter for a podcast, you have to follow through with it. That's those are the things you really ancient have to rules. commit.
3: Do.
0: Uh, Lucy, what's your choice?
3: Oh, yeah. I think you'd have to choose the brain of the, the hot person. Then you've got to pick which relatives, like the body exactly. you want.
4: All right, pick a relative.
3: I'm not going to pick a relative. Yep. What if, Just pick a what relative. My relatives are listening. I'm not going to pick a relative. I'm not going to pick a relative. <laughs> <laughs> a relative. They're going to be listening.
0: Pick a relative, name the relative, it'd, it'd uh, give us the like... relative's contact information.
3: <laughs> Don't email my relatives.
4: <laughs> but pick a designation of relative. Are we talking a cousin? I'm going to cousin. Uncle.
3: I think cousin's like distant enough. At least they might be your same age, you know?
4: And they'd understand. You they'd know. understand. They know that shit like this happens, so.
3: It, it does happen mm. every day.
0: Well, look—it's a complicated uh, metaphysical question. I'm going to put it out there on the internet. I want you guys to chime in. Mm. We'd like our audience to chime in and let us know: um, is there a clearly—is there a clearly defined answer? Are we just disgusting for having addressed it in the first place?
4: Mm.
3: And are your cousins we'll hot? Up?
4: Tell us how hot if they are. Hot, are hot, are your cousins
3: yeah. hot. Get at me?
0: Please, please name your cousins. <laughs> Send us their pictures. So that'll do us for our mailbag today. Uh, next week we have uh, noted. Twitter, good guy, Trillburn, at Trillburn, host of uh, the Age of Napoleon podcast. Dear friend of the show. Dear friend of the show. Uh, very, very smart, nice, uh, clever dude from Texas. Uh, he's going to come on and discuss reactionary conservatism with us. Great guy. Very excited to have him on. So uh, we'll see everybody next week for that. Hey. So, bye, everybody. Bye, friends.
2: Bye. bye.